Hello and welcome back to episode 16 of Long Ball Football, a weekly podcast by two English brothers bringing you all the latest news from the Primera Liga. You're listening to myself, Albert, and as always, I'm joined by my brother, Barney. Uh, how are you doing, Barney? How's your week been? It's been good. Enjoyed the weekend's FA Cup action, which is really nice. Yeah. Uh, particularly Mourinho, Marine. I forgot what tier they're in, but they're absolute minnows. I think they're in tier eight, aren't they? I mean, everyone was, I've been looking forward to that game for weeks and weeks since it was announced. I couldn't wait to watch it. I mean, and then you had uh, Vinicius, like, solidly celebrated his goals as well and amazing doing that pose after a tapping against the guy <laughs> training to be a plumber or something I mean we don't need to talk about English football but it has got some Portuguese football connection there because Getson Fernandes and Vinicius both played for Tottenham I thought it was a bit of a shame that Getson Fernandes only got his second appearance of the season against an eighth tier team I know I like him though man I mean obviously the players he was playing against but good but it's you know he's a, he shows some signs of like some nice touches and stuff I mean, he's done nothing for Spurs, but I was seeing some videos of him from when he was playing well for Benfica. And I was shocked, to be honest, because we haven't seen anywhere near the talent that he showed for Benfica. So I thought he was on his way back in January. Yeah, there were rumours that he was going to come back in January. He needs to do something <laughs> with his career, surely. I mean, you know, I, I'm sure there are a lot of teams in Portugal who would love to have him. Well, we've got a few cup games going on as we record, really. We're sporting pen tonight, there's a few more. I think it looks like all the Premier League teams should go through this there shouldn't be any upsets but I thought about the FA Cup and then Leeds get knocked out by you know, <laughs> by Crawley Town yeah <laughs> the only way is Essex marks right coming on in the last minute to yeah wind down the clock enjoyed that one well last <laughs> week we uh, brought you the news that Edgar Dabbers was going to be the new manager uh, of SC Olinans I'm not suggesting that we broke that story by the way I'm just uh, saying that we mentioned it uh, and we're happy to report that in his first game in charge he managed to get a, a red card as you would expect. Did you read this story, Barney? I mean, I was sort of surprised when I was like, why are you surprised? Like, <laughs> <laughs> We need to have an Edgar David section, don't we? We need uh, to get him on the show, to be honest, you know, give him a chance <laughs> to give him a chance to tell his side of the story about, you know, the biased media getting in the way. Apparently he refused to speak to the media after the game. The whole thing happened in a post-game incident. I'm not sure what it was, but... I haven't told the like, Edgar David story in the podcast, have I? Oh, no, of course, yeah. I, I used to work <laughs> at Spurs... Um, in like the boardroom serving like the food yeah every now and again you see players and uh, egg, they always come in at uh, half time for their snack and go back out and watch the game um, and Edgar Davis came in one game and just he wasn't playing at the time and then just stayed for the whole of the second half eating constantly like <laughs> he could, didn't go back out to watch it just sat by himself in a, a huge room just <laughs> going down yeah I'm very jealous of that story I also did that job and the only famous person that spoke to me when I was there was Claude from The Apprentice uh, Swan for the English listeners well anyway we uh, did a little transfer special last week we brought, we talked about some of the players that we thought might be on the move what players we thought the big clubs might want to bring in there's been a little bit of transfer movement in the week that's passed so we're going to talk about some of those big moves the first one that caught my eye by was Rodrigo Pino a player that we talked about a lot last week and he did sign a pre-contact agreement with Benfica something you mentioned he might do last week I mean the rumours were there but I was still a little surprised this, this went through it's great for him, a great move. I, when it went through, I, did, I was thinking that, well, for one, it's a very smart move financially by Benfica. There's, he won't be demanding big wages. It, obviously, haven't forked out any um, transfer fee. And and then, obviously, then they can potentially look to offload strikers. We saw Ferreira come on at the end of um, the Santa Clara game last week when they drew. Um, I imagine not only him, but I could see Sephora or Darwin moving on as well. I, I think they'll need to cash in, personally. Why were you surprised though, Barney? Because I was surprised as well, but I'm interested to hear why you were kind of surprised that he chose Benfica of, I'm sure, a few clubs who would have been interested. I'm not so surprised that he chose Benfica. I'm more surprised that Benfica chose him. Mm. I mean, he's 
stats this season have been great. He's he's but he's not young. He's you know he's he's been around for a few years. I don't know. I've I I just thought they might be looking for a bigger name. You know, to see the players they've got, like Vinicius going to Tottenham. What's that? A forty million odd buyout if they want to. Darwin is rumored with you know at the start of the season with all these big clubs who imagine fifty or so million euros, whatever. But Rodrigo Pino is not going to be moving on for that money. I I I could sit. We could sit here in a year's time and I could be completely wrong. You could be. T- 10, 12 goals in for the season. But yeah, it just, I don't know. It just seemed like he could have gone to another club and been, obviously start more. I guess that's what the point I'm trying to get to. That's the kind of thing you suspect really is that he's not going to be a guaranteed starter. He's obviously like a really talented goal scorer. To be putting away the number of goals that he has done for uh, Maritimo, especially when they spent the bulk of the season so far managed by Lito Vidigao, who's quite a, uh, quite a negative manager. That's not a criticism. That's just, you know, that's just the style of play that his teams use. But yeah, that's one that surprised me. Good luck to him. I'm sure he'll put plenty of goals away from Benfica playing with uh, top world-class players. He's been scoring in this Maritimo team, like you said, but I mean, when he's got Rafa or Everton like supplying him balls or, you know, Pitsy slipping through, he, he could he could absolutely thrive there. Yeah, totally. Well, he wasn't the only person on the move this month. Ruben Lameras uh, made the move from Famalicao to Victoria Guimaraes. Interesting one this, I thought. Got a lot of praise from us. At the beginning of the season, he was chipping in with a lot of goals from midfield. Gone off the boil a bit recently, as family Cow have uh, in general, but another undoubtedly talented player. I wasn't quite convinced he was the player that Vittoria needed. They've looked a bit more suspect at the back than they have up front, but a good move for the player. Uh, and I'm sure he'll be, I'm sure he'll do a fantastic job for the team. Yeah, and I mean, um, Edwards, Marcus Edwards obviously signed this contract during the week. There was rumours about him moving to England, but um, he put to bed those. And so then this was a uh, an interesting one as well because, you know, he's a left a right winger, um, just like Marcus Edwards. So it's great. I think I'm really excited by this move. I think he's an excellent player. I think he's, he's shown it this season. Like, like you said, he's not in recent performances, but I think he just adds that extra bit of creativity and quality you know, to that um, Vittoria attack. Well, if he does end up playing alongside Marcus Edwards, that'll be two players from the Spurs Academy. Uh, playing alongside each other for that Victoria Gimaraes team. Do you think you'd be an upgrade uh, on Rashini Barney? Because Rashini is a player who's come in recently, and I thought done very well. Do you think he'll be? A, do you think he'll be taking Rashini's place, or do you think he'll be uh, playing alongside him in a different position? No, for me, yeah, he would take his place. I think you know you're at Mark Edwards and Kresmer, and he'd be vying for one of their spots, if not playing alongside them. I think I should say, Albert, um, Alexander Gredes from uh, Victoria's gone the other way. He's gone to Family Cow. Um, I don't know much about the guy. I don't think I don't know if I've seen him play this season. But um, looking at his stats, he's a striker, um, fairly consistent goal scorer for his career. So I think this could be good for Family Cow because they they've been struggling a little bit, and I, they haven't seemed to have had that um, that striker to sort of lead the line. Well, I don't think they ever replaced Tony Martinez, did they? Really? No, that's yeah, that's the big one. A big gaping Tony Martinez hole there. Well, you did mention last week about how many clubs at the lower end of the table need goals, need strikers. One team uh, who took some steps to mitigate that was Monarens. Uh, they signed Rafael Martins, uh, a striker, 31 years old, last played in the league in 2018 for Victoria Gimaraes. He's got a great goal-scoring record in the league, though, Barney. 31 goals in 92 games. Uh, so very, very experienced at that level. 31 years old now, but you hope he'll be able to carry on some of the form he was clearly had for past Premier League clubs. Yeah, well, he clearly knows this league. Um, he's, you know, that, that goal tally is is, um, is really good for me, uh, particularly a team that end of the table. Uh, I think it's a shrewd bit of business by the sounds of it. 
Um, I'm more excited though by the the other signing for Morin's uh, the Abdullah uh, the Senegalese centre back who used, used to be on the books at Porto. He is my sort of defender man. Was it six <laughs> six foot five, six foot six, like nice and lanky. I didn't know much about him, but I had to look him up. Uh, the name rang a bell, but apparently he played for. Well, he was on the books at Porto for nine years. He was a youth academy player there. Where is he? Rare Valicano. I think he's just come from there. But yeah, no, I knew of him. Um, I- I'm excited to see him. And once again, it's like two, these two signings are a bit of experience, obviously experience in this league, just to shore things up, I think, because Morones have, have looked, you know, pretty shaky this season. Well, they did have a third new signing of sorts, not to their playing staff, but to their coaching staff, and that's Vasco Siabra. Uh, you might remember him as the manager who was sacked by Boa Vista just... I guess a matter of weeks ago, a couple of months back, he came in as the new manager. We're going to talk about how they played against Pretoria Givarais uh, in just a moment. But a good young manager, highly rated in the league, I think. So that's a very positive signing, I thought. Well, one more transfer that we should speak about, Barney, actually, before we move on. Uh, because there's another young British talent in the Portuguese league. Uh, Dion McGee signed for Braga. He comes as a free agent after leaving Manchester United under-23s. He's a young man, 20 years old. I don't think he made many, if any, first-team appearances for Manchester United. So he's a bit unproven. Uh, And as far as I can tell, there was competition for his signature for clubs uh, all over Europe. Yeah, really exciting transfer. Um, I have to confess, I don't don't know much about the guy as well. But the clubs he was associated with, uh, potentially going to, makes this all the more interesting. I I think he's going to go start off in the under-23s and hopefully push his way in to the main uh, Braga's main team. But... I'm really excited for this. Um, we've seen, like, we've already seen a few English players come to this league and and do well. So, yeah, yeah, a couple of the teams that he was linked to have apparently were teams like AZ Alkmaar, uh, West Ham as well. I think a couple of other teams abroad. So, it's really interesting that he's chosen to come to Portugal to further his career. It's interesting also that he mentioned in his interview about why he chose to come to Braga was about the country itself. You know, about what a good country to live in Portugal was. Uh, and I think Marcus Edwards said a similar thing. Uh, in his interview about his new contract where he said he was, you know, happy living in the city and comfortable in the location. So it's, yeah, it's really exciting that English players are uh, choosing Portugal not only as a good domestic league for them to play in, but also as a good country for them to live in. I wonder how much um, Carlos Carvalho had an influence on this because he had obviously had that uh, time in England. McGee um, would have been aware of the, the style of football he plays with the, when he was there. So I wonder if that was a little factor as well. You know, McGee's more likely to have seen Carlos Carvalho in England than he was at the moment. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and also having an English-speaking manager will be uh, really valuable for him, being able to settle in. I'm not sure how many uh, of the other players there at Braga speak English. I'm sure there's one or two who will be able to help settle him in. But, yeah, we wish Dion McGee all the best of luck. We look forward to seeing his first performance in a Braga shirt. Albert, last bit of news I've got. Well, it's, it's a brilliantly translated headline into English. Um, okay. I'll, I'll read out the headline and you can tell me if you think you know what it's about. Right. Uh, so the headline read, um, Abbas puts cock on top. <laughs> I've got no idea what that means. <laughs> it's actually about um, Gil Vigente. Like, uh, so they signed a, um Iraqi striker, um, Ali, or Allah, sorry, Ala Abbas, 24-year-old um, striker. And he's got a legion of fans. And so basically a load of fans started following Gil Vicente on social media. Right. Okay. For the month of December... Gil Vicente of all the football clubs in the world had the biggest increase in social media followers. Wow. Because of this <laughs> amazing. So that's why Abbas put cock on tops. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, well, it just goes to show, you know, scouting in those types, those parts of the world where 
you know, players are so underrepresented can be a, a landmine in terms of bringing in commercial interest. Well, I mean, look at Taremi, like, you know, he's from that part of the world and there's no way any English clubs should be scouting those leagues for these players. And Taremi's like one of my favourite strikers I've seen in a long while. It reminds me of the um, Malaysian player who signed for, which club was it, Rania? I forgot. It was Porto Malens, Safari Rashid. Uh, yeah, well, he exactly. It's a very similar situation. You know, he brought in a lot of uh, interest from that part of the world. I'm not sure he's got many minutes yet. Uh, I don't think he's paid him. I think he might have even gone back. I don't know. <laughs> gone oh, back to Malaysia. Okay, well, <laughs> I was we'll, really excited for him. We won't, we won't file that one under uh, successful, <laughs> <laughs> successful transfers from the Far East. Barney, well, let's talk football. We've got an awful lot of games uh, to talk about this week. We're going to try and get through quite a lot of games that happened over the weekend. Uh, we're going to start off with the big three. We're going to rattle through these because all three teams played, all three teams won. Uh, it's fair to say those games were probably not where the interest lay uh, this week. Sporting Sporting won 2 0 against Senior National. The game was marred by an absolutely insane weather conditions, like absolutely ridiculous. Pitch was awful. It was honestly a shocker to watch. I think even the sporting fans didn't enjoy watching that one. Um, but two, a 2 new win for them, they'll be perfectly happy with that. Uh, puts them at the top of the table. Uh, I think you want to talk talk a little bit more about Benfica, Barney. They won 2 new against Tondela. I wanted to talk about them because we, we missed their... Obviously, the, we recorded this on a Monday evening, so we missed uh, their last result, which was the draw against Santa Clara, which I think they were very disappointed about. And they won this game 2 new, and it's sort of continuing from what you touched on a couple of podcasts ago about they're not creating enough chances or the like, sort of lack of quality of these chances. I mean, in this game, they had 21 shots and only four were on target, and that's a 66% possession. I mean, Tondeo could have equalised at 85 minutes when they're only one nil up. You know, they they're just not putting games to bed. And it's a similar story with Santa Clara. They had a 70% possession there, but actually had less shots and less chances than Santa Clara. Like, it's obviously something not clicking. And then they got me onto Darwin Nunes, who he had. A, I mean, to be fair to the guy, did you see his goal against Santa Clara last week? Yeah, decent was, goal. Decent, decent goal. goal. And he got a couple of assists here. And he's I feel like he's been a good performer as well. And when you look at his stats, you know, he's at the top end for goals and assists and key passes and successful dribbles in that Benfica squad. He's, he's up there. But then he's also had the most unsuccessful touches and and the most shots. He's had 33 shots this season. Only 11 of those have been on target and only three of those have turned into goal. He's starting almost every game. He's clearly their main man up top. But he's not taking the chances at all. And you look at Severovic's record and the way the goals he's putting away, that's a much better record, but he's not getting anywhere near as many minutes. I wonder whether Darwin Nunes is trying too hard to perhaps be a kind of jack-of-all-trades figure. He's trying too hard to get involved in areas of the pitch where he's not going to score goals. You often see him drifting off to the edges of the boxes to try and get on the ball. Uh, it reminds me of criticism that some people level at uh, Edinson Cavani, you know, his... Uh, of course, someone I'm sure he looks up to in the Uruguay squad. Obviously, there's very few criticisms of Edison Cavani. He's a fantastic player. But one thing I have heard people say is that he works so hard uh, off the ball doing things that won't get him goals that by the time he gets to shoot, he's, you know, his legs are so tired that maybe he misses the target. There's clearly some fantastic natural ability in Darwin Nunes. There's a great player who, if he was managed correctly and, and had someone to model his game off or someone to show him how he should be playing. I think there's a fantastic player there, but at the moment, I wonder whether he's trying to do too much. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. I think, I mean, but I mean, you look at some of the assists, they're fantastic and, and you know, they're brilliant balls, but then you also feel like those are the sort of passes Everton or Rafa should be playing because that's why they're there on the wings. Um, I then went down the expected goals 
um, rabbit hole now, but because here we go, um, <laughs> or XG if you like, right. um, just because it, like I said, it was confusing me because it, like we, we feel like he's performing well, but he's not scoring enough goals. Anyway, essentially, I don't know if you're not too, I'm not too familiar with XG, but essentially, it's a stat to analyze the quality of chances and sort of calculate a figure of how many goals a team or player is expected to score in a game. And interestingly, with all this Benfica talk about them not performing well or not creating enough chances. Benfica have the best expected goals in the league on average. So with an av- they've got an average 1.74 expected goals per game. That's the best in the league. Um, to compare Porto, they have a 1.54. Um, but they've scored 35 goals and Benfica have only scored 28. So it's basically telling us that the chances are there for Benfica, but they're not being finished. Uh, the shots-to-shot ratio is poor for all of Benfica's attacking players. If you look at the amount of shots they had and the amount of shots of those that are on target it's it's not good reading so for example with darwin like i mentioned 33 shots only 11 of those on target three goals compare that to pedro gonzalez for sporting he's had 32 shots so practically the same 19 of those were on target and 11 of those were goals i guess this is a really roundabout way of me saying that they need to practice their shooting <laughs> but like <laughs> you know and i, I watched this um the highlights of this tondaya game and there's just barely any good chances at all. That's where the problem is. And for me, this was really interesting, just simply for the fact that they've got the highest expected covers in the league, and I would never, ever, ever have guessed that. Well, it's interesting that they've got a player like Harris Seferovic then, because is he? I'm pretty sure he's up there with being their top goal scorer this season, but he's not a starter for them by any means. But that's a player who, say what you want about him, I know he's not everybody's favourite striker, but he will put chances away. He scored a goal in this game. His goal was probably very emblematic of what you were just saying there, assisted by Darwin Nunes on the edge of the box, uh, giving Harris Seferovic the goal. But it's interesting they've got a player like that, who's their top scorer, who comes on and just you know puts those uh, simple chances to bed. If you look at his minutes to goal ratio compared to Darwin's, the difference is vast. Like, but it's always Darwin playing with someone else. It's and I, I wonder if it should start. They should start playing Safarovic with someone else. And whether that's Darwin dropping a bit deeper and do, like and, and doing what he can clearly do with the getting the assists and working the channels, whatever. But maybe they just need that Safarovic in the in the penalty area taking his chances. This, this podcast has turned into a broken record, Barney. The number of times we've said Benfica need to play, you know, with that three up front, one central striker. If I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. And that's why I really wanted to look at the stats to try and work it out. But I think, if anything, it's done my head in more because I'm still as confused <laughs> as to what they need to do. <laughs> well, the only stat you need to know about Porto versus Family Cal uh, was the end result. That was 4-1 to Porto. I said last week... Uh, that it was a very business-like performance from them. And I'm going to say exactly the same thing again, a very professional performance. Uh, Mehdi Taremi continues to bang in the goals, two goals for him in this game. Sergio Oliveira and the youngsters, Joao Mario, got the other two. Uh, they, t- they continue to impress. They're currently in second place behind Sporting, but Family Cal look in a really sorry state at the minute. That loss, along with results elsewhere in the league, puts them bottom of the table. Uh, and with Ruben Lemiris leaving this week, you also worry about how their season is going to carry on from here. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote that down as well. I worry for Joao Pedro Souza. I think Lemiris was their best assist, best goals this season so far. They've got the worst defensive record in the league, basically. But they've, got, they've conceded 24 goals this season. And I had a look at the, the, the formation they're playing in previous games or who was in that back line. Apart from like one game, I think, or one or two games, they've basically played a different back line the whole of the season, every game. They changed it, chopping and changed it. 
And admittedly, that's to do with some injuries and some suspensions or whatever, but I feel like they need to settle on it. You know, to give an English example, you know, when Man City recently settled on Ruben Diaz and John Stones as a centre-back mm. partner, and they've just kept with it, and they've got a few runner games in, and they're performing, the performance has been solid. And you look at the family of you know, they've got uh, Queros, uh, who used to be from Porto. He's, you know, the Portuguese under-23 captain. You've got Babic, who looks like a good defender. They've now signed Ruben Fenagre on loan from Wolves to play at left-back, so... I just hope that they can just settle on this back line and improve because the, the defence is just what's really letting down. I remember you talking about their defence on the very first game of the season uh, and they really don't seem to have improved from there. We spoke about them as our team in focus a couple of weeks back. Like you, I do worry about João Pedro Souza. I think he's a good manager. But the thing that I took from this game was watching their defence is that they just didn't look, they didn't look like a comfortable, confident defence who play together uh, week in, week out. So... Yeah, I think you're spot on with that one. Just quickly on Porter, Albert, I think um, they were unlucky actually to get that, concede that penalty, really. I, I didn't think that was a pen. But I, I was, I just want to look at Sergio um, Oliveira. I feel like he's really stepping up as captain for me. You know, since Daniel left, he's took the armband. Um, he's obviously on pens and slotting away. He did so in this game. He's got seven goals um, and four assists in 13 games. And you compare that to last season, the whole last season, he had three goals and five assists. And I think it's... Wow. I don't know, he just, he seems like a really good leader, like a, a calm leader. I think Otavio as well, he, I wrote down he's a nasty bastard, isn't he? Because <laughs> he's a horrible little player that you really don't want to come against. Him. Well, he's got edge to his game, which is not a criticism at all. That's, you know, and in some situations, that's a really valuable asset for a player like him to have, especially as someone who you would put in the box of creative midfielder. To have that side to his game can be a real attribute. Yeah, and I think that's a nice blend in that Porto team. You know, you've got like a sort of quiet, composed players like Mbemba and Sanusi and Oliveira but then you've also got the sort of in your face players like Tavio, Pepe, Morega and I think I think that blend works really well in that team and I, and I yeah like you said at the start a really business like performance. Well as we alluded to earlier in the games this week the excitement was really outside of the top three and a game that we both made a point of watching was Vittoria Gimaraes versus Morarens a game that ended 2-2 and it was a game that we made a point of watching following the news that Marcus Edwards signed a new deal at Vittoria to 2024 uh, with a reported 50 million euro release clause uh, and it was really great for me Barney to see him uh, back to his best I like the fact that for me he seemed to really want the ball all the time in this game he seemed like a much more positive uh, and proactive influence on the game some of his previous games he's played this season I think he's been a bit of a passenger uh, that has disappointed me quite a lot because we know he's got so much talent. His form led to him being dropped in the last two games. So it was nice to see him playing well, having an influence on the game. After a season where it's safe to say he's failed to really reach the level that he did last season, to reach the level that we know he's capable of, was fantastic to see. Yeah, he got his um, it was a header, isn't it, his goal? Must be a rare yeah. one, that. <laughs> yeah. I liked, um, I liked him on the left, I thought. I mean, I know he went over to the right in the second half of the game, but I, I quite liked him on that left-hand side, I think. Um, it just it's, I haven't seen that this season. I think it, it could be a good spot for him if they because you know Kresman's had a good success in the right recently. But then of course they're also able to mix it up throughout the game, which worked really well. I thought it gave him a chance to show off his two-footedness. I thought it was nice to see that tied to his game as well because we see him as this left-footed right winger. But you know when he's playing on the left-hand side, either he puts the ball in the box with his left foot or he cuts it on his right. And I thought his delivery on his right foot uh, on a couple of occasions this game was was nice to see. If you see a left-footed player in the right wing, I've always think of Iron Robin, who just, I don't know if he had a right foot. <laughs> you yeah, never saw it. Exactly. Uh, I feel like they'll be disappointed with the draw in this one. I thought they were the better team. I thought 
there's a few mistakes really that led to their goals. Well, I was actually going to exa- ask you that exact question, Barney, because obviously they'll be disappointed to lose any game. But this game in particular, with the way the game played out, I think they would have expected to beat Morrowinds today. Uh, they're an interesting one, Barney Morrowinds, because we didn't expect too much from, much from them, but they did do really well. Uh, they played some good football. It's poss- possible that uh, their new manager is already making an impact. Yeah, I thought but both the goals were all right, actually, weren't they? I think the first one, they were, it was a bit lucky to get put through... Um, mm. And then the, the second one, with the assist was absolutely gorgeous for that yeah. little outside of the foot. Um, but I said to you, it was like basically what Charisma does, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One of the assists of the season, honestly. Yeah, I think they were missing a Stupin, weren't they? Their strike was definitely not as effective or not being found as much as we've seen a Stupin been found in the last two games. Well, we're talking about Noah Holm there, Barney, young Danish striker they brought in this season. I wanted to ask you about this as well, because he seems to be emblematic of quite a number of signings that they've made a kind of quite a left field signing taking a risk on a younger player from a from a foreign league you know we look at players like Noah Holm uh, even Issa Suleiman a player who we're a big fan of and those kind of signings haven't always paid off for them but they seem to have quite a lot of them on the books it's clearly got a bit to learn for me I think you know I think you saw that in this game he wasn't able to hold the ball up as that well wasn't sort of didn't seem to be the breaking through as much as you'd like to see him. So, yeah, I think that sort of didn't help them sort of in terms of getting that winner. They brought in Lemira's actually the new signing um, at one point as well. So you did have Edwards, Cresma and Lemira's all, all at the same time. So I want to see that again, potentially. Um, you can't really play one of them as striker though, can you? you? You need someone ahead of them, I feel. Yeah, you could try You could try something like Lemira's as a false nine, but ideally you want that 4-2-3-1 with the free creative behind the striker, especially if they've got somebody like a stupid hand playing up front. Yeah, but I thought I do feel that this was a positive performance from Gareth. And it's great news with the signing of Edwards. I think that's a fantastic bit of business um, to keep him a bit longer. And and, and was he t- is he twenty one? Yeah, like he's still a young man, and he, yeah. and he, he will go at some point. He will, mm-hmm. but to keep him this bit longer, and you know, if he's if he's back to his best, like he seems to be this game, it's, that's really really good. The last player I want to mention before we move on, Barney, is uh, Andre Andre, the captain. Uh, who was I was once again very impressed with. He's been at the club for a very long time. He's a leader. He leads by example on the pitch, not just by his mannerisms, but also by his level of ability. He's still one of their best players. Uh, and the way he took his goal was brilliant. I recommend oh, you go. I recommend you go fantastic. and look back on the highlights for that to anybody listening. Well, we're going to move on to another really exciting game from the league this week. Tucked away on Friday night when the big three were playing. The only game uh, that wasn't on television was Rio Ave versus Porto Menendez, a game I totally wrote off. Uh, but I was completely wrong to do so. Rio Ave, who we have been very critical of uh, in the last few games, won 3-0 against Porto Menendez. I'm going to let you lead on this one, Barney, because you watched the game live. Uh, talk us through this one. Mario Silva, the manager's left now, and um, so Pedro Cunha is temporarily taken over. And it was a bit of a different team, which I feel we haven't seen that often from uh, Rio Ave this season. One is they gave Machina a start, uh, the Japanese winger on loan from Man City. Um, and then they also started with Giraldez, Dalla. And Carlos Mane is that, that attacking four. It was really, it works really, really well. If you look at Dallo and Geraldo that come from sporting in the summer, they haven't consistently played together that often. They haven't cemented themselves in the team, but it's it really did come together. I mean, I want to focus on Machino a bit because he got the second goal, which he took really, really well. Um, really good finish. He's only been coming on as a sub the whole season, maybe getting the last 10 minutes of games, but he was... He was fantastic. He was up against his Japanese counterpart, Anze, who was playing left back. And so Machine was on the right hand side, just always cutting in, though, causing all sorts of problems, looking like he was a second striker sometimes. He was so far in. And then to go back to Dallin and Giraldes, um, both really skillful players. I know we, we, we've seen them do some 
re- really great stuff with the ball. Dalla playing up top, I'm not 100% sure on. When he's leading the line, he, he had a few chances he, he should have scored. Um, but he, he won the penalty, which got them off the mark. And um, Pele, uh, the midfielder, started that home really nicely. And then, yeah, Geraldus was just, I just thought, really good in that number 10 role. I, I, I think he's a really good player and I hope he's, he can start smelling at start because I know he's I know he's in competition with Diego Lopez, the um, Brazilian attacking midfielder for that number 10 spot. But from what I've seen of both those players this season, I'd much rather stick with Geraldus. He's, he's, he's quick on the turn. He can sort of break away and, and get the ball out of the pitch quicker, which is what they're really good at. And, you know, when you've got Carlos Mane on the wing and if it's Machino, they've got that pace and to be able to get past their, their right back or left back or whatever and then get in there. So... I was really happy with this performance. I think it's a similar performance to what we saw at the very, very beginning of the season when they were they were looking so exciting. Yeah, it was a ruthlessly attacking performance. Machino, man of the match for me. Fantastic performance from him. Uh, just a word on Porto Menendez, Barney, because they were sadly completely anonymous in this game. I thought they were back to the sort of form that seen them in the relegation places for most of the season. Surprising, seeing as they were coming into the game with the back of a great win in the Algarve derby, a game we weren't able to cover last week, uh, where they beat Friends 2-0. And that was a really impressive performance from them too. But here they just seem to be blown away by Rio Ave and never got into the game. But yeah, totally, uh, a totally impressive performance for Rio. I've really enjoyed watching them play. I'm excited to see their next game now. I'm just, I'm just glad that they're back on better form now. But I just spoke about Friends Barney. And as I mentioned, their form and their confidence... Uh, had taken a bit of a hit after that 2-0 loss against Porto Menendez last week. Not only because of the result, but also because of the manner of the defeat. And it was an uncharacteristically lacklustre performance as well. Uh, they would have been looking to get an instant response in their game, in this game, uh, which they did on Sunday by beating Gil Vicente 3-1 at home in the Estadio São Luis. Uh, and the thing that I took from this game, Vanya, was that Ferenc had realised that Ryan Gould isn't the only player on their team allowed to score. It was Stoichkiewicz who got their first goal. He's looked a bit hit and miss this season, so it was nice to see him to get himself a goal. Uh, a new signing, Lika, got their second as well. He also got himself sent off in the second half, though, so it was a bit of a mixed bag for him. Uh, but Forens went into the last 30 minutes of the game, hanging on to a 2-1 lead with 10 men. Uh, they did that pretty admirably, I thought. Uh, and then they grabbed a very fortunate third goal about five minutes from full-time, a goal to Gil Vicente keeper. Uh, will not want to see again as he pretty much lets the ball uh, slip through his hands. But yeah, overall, a fantastic performance from Forens and a really valuable three points. And it's, a, and it's a win that takes them out of the relegation places, having been on bottom of the table after their result against Porto Menendez. And that just leads me to ask you, Barney, what you make of this bottom half of the table? Because at the moment, I think there's something crazy like four points separating the team in seventh from the team in last place. It's really, really congested and we're like we're getting towards the midway point of the season to be that close there's no like you know usually you have one or two people who are just clearly but gonna be going down you, you know it from like within match days six or whatever but it's really exciting it's really close i think for this is a massive win for friends in terms of confidence being a team in and around that area and like you said the fact that ryan gould wasn't because what i think he's been involved in what two-thirds of their goals this season so yeah. far and the fact that he wasn't doing like this game but they were still able to score three is, is brilliant for them right but it's time for us to look ahead to this week's fixtures Barney and I hope you haven't got any plans because there's some absolutely cracking games coming up the pick of the bunch we're going to start off with is of course FC Porto versus Benfica on Friday night at nine o'clock. I don't know what you're doing, but cancel your plans because it's probably the biggest game of the season so far. 
Oh, yeah, and I think you've got Sporting playing Riyadh, the early kickoff that day, and that's going to make it even more interesting. Because Sporting win, they could go seven points ahead, so then it's all the more important. Looking at this game, though, but is Porto and Benfica both on 31 points, but I feel there's a, a general feeling with Benfica fans that they're not performing as they should be, and then Porto fans are sort of feeling like they're performing well, but they're on the same points. So I don't know what you think about that. It just doesn't really add up. I think it's very possible for Benfica to not play very well and still churn out victory after victory in this league. That's just the reality uh, of the standard of the league and the reality of the standard of Benfica in terms of the players that they've got. Uh, I would certainly not disagree with Benfica fans who are unhappy with how their team are playing. I think there's they leave a lot to be desired in some of their performances. I think some of the tactics are a bit baffling. Some of the player choices are a bit baffling. I think it must be very frustrating to watch your team play and just not really understand why they're playing the way that they're playing. You compare that with Porto, I think. They had some shaky results at the beginning, but Sergio Contessao has whipped them into shape and they're winning game after game in recent weeks. The only reason they're not uh, at the top of the table is because they managed to slip a few points behind uh, and Sporting are keeping that lead uh, because they're also winning game after game. So I think Porto fans, I'm sure if they just stick with back in their team and hope that at some point Sporting slip up, I think Porto will be best placed to take that first play spot from Sporting, but Benfica fans, there's still plenty to be worried about. But then also, do you not think there's something to be hopeful for? Because if they start playing well, I talked about this a few months ago, like, they've definitely got a gear or two to go to, haven't they? They're, mm. they're not playing at their absolute peak. But then I don't know if Porto are, I don't know if Sporting are. And that's why these head-to-heads are so important. I mean, we've had, I guess we had like a dress rehearsal, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago in the Cup. That performance from Benfica was really disappointing. You know, no fight, no... um no aggression really. Um, so if it's the same, I think that's really, really bad. But if it's if it's not and they sort of get it together, I don't know. Well, that adds a really interesting dynamic to this game, doesn't it, Barney? Because of that whole 2-0 loss to Porto in the Super Cup only a few weeks ago now, surely the players, even if the manager's not, surely the players will be motivating themselves based on that game. They won't want a repeat of that. They'll want something better to give to the fans. So... Sure, I'm sure Benfica players will be much more up for it in this game, wanting revenge. We've talked about that, like, you know, passion and fight and, you know, leadership. And like I, like I said earlier, Sergio Oliveira, I was really impressed with. He seems to have stepped up as a captain. And if you can, I don't know if there's anything to look into with Benfica. They've had six different captains this season. I mean, you had Otamendi, Jardel, Pizzi, Andre Almeida and Ruben Diaz and Ferro. And, you know, two of those were ceremonial and some of those are to do with injury um, or suspensions. But I feel like and please jump in here if you think this is wrong, but I feel like there's there's no number two steps up, really, if you see what I mean. If you look at sporting, I would say, you know, you've got leaders in Fidel, Jao Mario, Paulinho. In Porto, you've got Pepe, Otavio, Postia, Morega. And with Benfica, it's maybe Otamendi, maybe Pizzi. I don't know, because they've you know, they had so many different centre-back partnerships, so many centre-midfield partnerships. There's not that consistency, that coherency that I feel you get with Porto and sporting. I understand where you're coming from. I think I do disagree slightly. I think there are other leaders in that dressing room. I think Vertonghen is a leader. I think Odysseus is a senior player at the club. I think Seferovic, even though he doesn't play, he's a senior player. I'm sure he'll make his voice known. Andre Almeida, obviously we know he's injured at the moment. I'm sure his influence is in and around the dressing room. So uh, I think there are leaders there. I don't think their performances have been down to lack of leadership. Uh, I think perhaps there's just been a kind of messy tactics involved and players not really understanding their role or not being asked to do what they're good at. For me, that's where their problems lie at the moment. 
I do think this game is going to be much more entertaining than the cup just because of how much is on the line. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And if you're looking to watch that game, that game I'm sure will be live on free sports at nine o'clock on Friday night. So make sure you're watching that one. You alluded to the game before that, Barney, at 8.30 on Friday, you've got Sporting versus Rio Ave, a game that last week I probably would have dismissed as an easy win for Sporting. But now uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Rio Ave come up against uh, Sporting and if they give that defence a good test. Well, that's the thing really with Sporting. I think they've got by far the best defence in the league. We've talked about all those players recently, like Quattas, Fedor. So yeah, that will be interesting because Rio Ave did look good in this last game. And then Saturday as well, but you've got some brilliant games. I mean, Passos for a Braga, Free Fay, Victoria Friends on Saturday. Yeah, I'm licking my lips at a couple of those fixtures, Barney. Passos for a team we've spoken about so many times uh, this season, playing against Braga, another team that I really enjoy watching. That's going to be a cracking game. And yeah, and then Victoria Gimarais versus Friends. Thinking about that game more critically, I wonder how it's going to pan out because Friends are a team uh, who play with a lot of heart, uh, play with a lot of passion, but perhaps uh, lack a bit of ability. Obviously, we know the quality that Vittorio Gimaraes have got up front, but I wonder if defensively, you know, from set pieces, maybe from counter-attacks, there's going to be opportunities for their, their friends to, to nick goals. So it's definitely not a nailed-on win for Vittoria. Uh, I think Vittoria probably have got, they'll probably outscore Ferenz, but I think there could be a few goals in that one. Yeah, I agree with you. I think um, Vittoria's defence is not its best. We've discussed, you know, with Issa Surin coming out of the team and Abel Moomin and Fernandez sort of, come in I think Fernandez was fault for um, the first goal is because he gets Barrens uh, at the weekend so yeah I think there could be goals in that one as well and just to move on to Sunday Barney to round up this lovely weekend of Portuguese football three cracking games at the lower end of the table CD Nacional versus Morarens Santa Clara versus Famalicão and Gil Vicente versus Maritimo all those teams will be looking to pick up points wherever they can to try and set themselves apart from the bunch. So there's plenty of interest there. I want to shout out quickly, one seed in Nationale, you know, it wasn't just Sporting playing on that pitch. And I feel like they should have got a goal. Probably Russia should have scored one in there. The other one is um, Lincoln at Santa Clara, the Brazilian number 10. I've watched his highlights for, uh, you know, the draw against Benfica and the, the game they played at the weekend. He's looking really good. I think he was out at the beginning of the season with an injury. Um, I heard a lot about him and the last two performances I've seen of him, he's looked really exciting. Well, next weekend is really shaping up to be one of the most exciting weekends that we've covered while doing this podcast. And I should just say before we go, we want to thank everyone who's listened to this podcast. And we've had an absolute blast doing this. If you've listened to a few episodes now and you've enjoyed it, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, or if you listen on Spotify or somewhere else, uh, you can pass on our podcast to a friend who you think might enjoy it. Uh, that's about all we've got time for this week. If you want to get in contact with the show, you can do so at Football on Twitter or you can email longballfootball at gmail.com but for now we'll say thank you very much for listening and see you next week see you next week